0: Good Evans, it's a Bobcast, welcome to episode 20 Hi, I'm your host, Bob Evans My real name's Kevin Mitchell, thanks for joining me once again Sorry that there's been a few weeks since the last one um, I've basically just been really, really busy um, I've been touring around Australia since Easter and Which has been great, thank you so much to everyone who's come along to see me play So far I've done New South Wales and Queensland I've still got Victoria, South Australia and WA to go so I guess, yeah, um, when this comes out, uh, yeah, shows in Victoria, South Australia. I'm playing the Grace Emily in Adelaide. I'm doing a show in Castlemaine and Geelong and Melbourne and Rye. Uh, basically, just go to bobevans.com.au, uh for all the ticketing and, and details of those shows. Also, too, uh, recently launched uh, a non-for-profit organisation that I'm co-founding. It's called Music with Mates. And the idea is that basically what we're going to do is we're going to offer the opportunity for new arrival, young new migrants in Australia, new arrivals, people with a refugee background, um, to come to live gigs. And the way that it works is that um, artists, musicians, bands, promoters, managers, agents, anybody involved in the uh, <laughs> any of the gatekeepers of tickets to gigs uh, donate tickets to us, and then we look for people who are interested in coming along from the migrant and refugee community, and we take them to gigs. That's the idea, and, and we've got a great program lined up already. Um, uh, the first gig is going to be a Bob Evans show, of course. It can only go up from there. Um, Busby Maroo after that, Paul Dempsey, and there's going to be lots more happening after that. I mean, I'm not really sort of this isn't for the purpose of promoting as such. Just kind of you know, just kind of letting you know that this is happening, and um, if there's anybody listening who um, may know of people who might be interested in in this kind of thing then um you can look us up as well we're on facebook it's music with mates uh on our website musicwithmates.com and so yeah just go and check it out if it sounds interesting or if you know people who might know people who might know people who might be interested then um yeah i'd love for you to check that out um also recently too i went to japan for the first time which was amazing i it's weird i've Jeb and I have had a couple of records put out in Japan. Our very first album came out in Japan years ago. We never toured there. And I've never visited there. I've never even... I've never even passed through the airport. So I was very excited to go and play in Osaka in Japan over a couple of nights um, the last weekend. I had so much fun. I had so much fun. And I just want to tell you about this the great way that it ended, right? So I flew out there on the th- on, uh, all through Thursday, and I played... A Friday night show and a Saturday night show. and um, You know, after the Friday night show, you know, we went out for dinner and we had to ride bikes. So I I haven't ridden a bike for fucking years. I haven't ridden a bike since I was like a teenager. And um, riding a bike, you know, a little bit drunk at two o'clock in the morning through the streets of Osaka. I fucking felt so alive. It was brilliant. It was so much fun. Um, And then after the Saturday night show, so my last night in Osaka, because I flew out on the Sunday, uh, did the same thing. Went out for dinner after show. It was really... had had such a great time and afterwards I thought oh look I'll just go for a little when I went back to the hotel I thought I'm not ready to sort of go to sleep yet you know knowing that it was my last night in Japan I thought I'll just go for a little bit of a walk and get a drink somewhere and so I went for a walk around it took me ages to kind of decide where I was going to go and I thought I'd eat a bit more food or whatever and anyway I ended up sort of just going into this little Mexican restaurant and I opened the door and the place was pretty much empty except for this one big long table of people sitting there and I kind of nervously came in oh is it okay if I come in and have a get a get a table for one and then the people at this long table said ah come and join us come and join us and you know i'd had a few drinks so i thought ah my confidence was up so i went and joined and sat at this table it turns out this was a um a bridal table they just the bride and groom were sitting at one end and all of the um what do they call the you know the, the bridal party the bridal party were all sitting along this table and they'd been at the wedding during the day and they'd um, they were all still celebrating. And so I kind of sat down with them and, you know, we got chatting and they asked me what I was doing there. and I said, look, I'm a musician. I've played a couple of shows. Well, of course, there's a guitar in the restaurant. And, oh, you know, so they're like, play us a song. These are, you know, local Japanese guys too. So, um, and, you know, I was like, oh, all right, I'll play a song. So there I am <laughs> with an acoustic guitar suddenly uh, given to me and I played, Do you think it's time to this wedding party. Um, In Osaka, Japan, and it was like On the way over there, I watched that new Richard Linklater movie You know, it's part of the series of like uh, After Sunrise, Before Sunset, or whatever It's the third one, it's got Ethan Hawke in it And Julie Delpy, it's really, really cool Anyway, I felt like I was in a Richard Linklater movie It was, there was just something so perfect And romantic and wonderful about it And it was like, ah, okay, now I can go to bed Now I can go to sleep, because I've had my magical Japanese moment that I can sign off on and leave and go back home tomorrow satisfied. Um, So I just wanted to retell that story very quickly because it was so, so cool. All right, episode 20. Uh, My guest for this one is radio broadcaster Robbie Buck. Um, I first met Robbie when he was working at Triple J. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would know him from there. He's uh, at ABC Sydney now. Doing a more adult radio. But I recorded this on May the 4th. So we start with a bit of Star Wars talk. Um,. So, yeah, I've recorded it weeks ago, and it's taken me this long to get round to um, sitting down and putting it together. Anyway, Robbie is a uh, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful personality, a great uh, guy to, to chat to. And he invited me around to his house, which is very generous of him. And we had a good old bloody chinwag. Now, you know the, the rules. There may be some swearing. Be warned. Um, so I'll put the songs up on Spotify playlist. You can hear them there. Please rate and review on iTunes if you feel like that's something you would like to do. I would very much appreciate it. I, I'm so happy that people are listening to the to the podcast. And uh, when I've been on tour almost every night after the show, when I go to the merch desk and I sign and take photos and stuff, there's always at least one or two people who mention the podcast, which is really exciting to know that, you know, there are people out there listening. Um, so, yes, I'm going to try to keep pushing ahead with these. Um Anyway, okay, I've talked a lot. Uh, This is episode 20 of Good Evans, It's a Bobcast. (laughs) I am so ready. Welcome to the Bobcast,
1: Mr. Robbie Buck. Hello there, Bob. Um, Thanks a lot for uh, giving up your time on on this May the 4th. It is. May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be
0: with you too. Um, So, you know, Star Wars. You know what, Stan?
1: Well, I'm not one of the nerdy fans. Yeah. But I did see Star Wars at the cinema when it came out so in, ni- in 1977. The yeah, year I was born. Do you know where I saw it, Bob? I where? just realised this. Where? In Perth. At oh, a cinema no in, in Perth in 1977. Really? Yeah, um, because we'd just come back. I was five, and we'd just come back from the UK. And we went. I remember going to see it with my sister and brother. And you, you know the, the famous opening scene with the... the uh, dialogue that comes, I mean, the words that yeah, come yeah. up, you know, yeah, yeah, in a galaxy far, and, yeah, a galaxy yeah, far, yeah. far away. And then suddenly the spaceship comes yeah, over just... the top. And this was, I guess, the first time maybe that that THX sound had been used in the way that it had. But the the sound of the spaceship coming from behind right. you in the cinema totally scared the shit out wow. of me. And yeah. I remember physically recoiling, thinking that the, the back wall was about wow. to fall down. So it's a really... Poignant image in my That's head. That's amazing. And so yeah. how
0: old were you? Four or five? Five, yeah. Five. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, mm. that must have
1: blown your time Ed, in mind, Robbie. <laughs> and I've never been the same since, Bob.
0: <laughs> and then did you go and watch the subsequent movies? Yeah, that, yeah, I did, yeah. At the cinemas as well?
1: I only, look, to be honest, I only watched up to Return of the Jedi, which yeah. was so disappointing in lots of, I mean, it was alright. I, I guess, you know, what was that, about eight years Nine? No, it was about, it was about eighty-three, okay. wasn't it? So it was six years later. Yeah. Um, so I would have been eleven. But at that stage, I was starting to think, "Oh, these cute, the, really? e- the Ewoks." No, oh, not so sure. But that said, the first three, first three films are the films that I resonate with.
0: So so. yeah, so I was born in seventy-seven. So Star yeah. Wars, I, it was completely retrospective. I can remember watching it on, um, you know, it must have been a VHS at my friend's place. Um, when I was, you know, and this, this would have been the early 80s. I think Return of the Jedi was the first one that I actually saw at the cinemas mm. after seeing the other two retrospectively. And I, I fucking loved Yeah, them. of course. I loved Return yeah, yeah. of the Jedi. Well, That's you would exactly have only been... at an age where yeah, like... You would have been six or seven. Yeah, so. yeah, so I was, I was absolutely yeah, was it. It was i can It was perfect for
1: the, the mind of that age. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it was only
0: later <laughs> in my life, looking back, where I can go, oh, okay, I can see yeah. how maybe the Ewoks might have been like a little bit kind of annoying. Much in the same way, many years later, when they rebooted it and we got those other three, yes. So the the the, the, the prequels, yeah. That was you know I was I was so psyched as so many people uh, that follow Star Wars yeah. must have been, and it was very disappointing. It felt like for me that um, too much uh, CGI. No, it was you know, horrible.
1: It was a, it was a, an opportunity wasted by Lucas. It was also doubly damning. I think because there was such an expectation, especially here in Sydney, I don't know if it was felt in the same way in other parts of Australia, but here in Sydney, the Fox Studios were booked out for it, the right. The cast and the crew were here for a long time. right? And we knew oh, that... Oh yeah,
0: because they did films, they made some of it here. Yeah, they made a lot yes, of it here. Heaps right. of it here. I'd, I'd and so,
1: nice. you know, I, Joel Edgerton, uh, who I'd sort of been mates with a little bit around just around the neighbourhood, yep. um, he was in it. And... You know, we had this and, and he's such a fantastic actor. Yeah. And it was like, wow, you've gone from a Pizza Hut ad to Star Wars in about five <laughs> years. Yeah, you know, this is really incredible. Yeah, yeah. Which he he basically had. That's awesome. Um and so yeah, the expectation was that it was going to be really terrific. And then when it came out and it looked so rubbish. You know, it just the the CGI was so removed from any kind of engagement with That's the audience. Right. It was cold, yeah. wasn't it? And and the it meant that the acting was kind of cold because yeah. of it. you could tell that Lucas didn't know how to direct the actors. The dialogue. And the dialogue was really wooden. Some of the dialogue yeah. was terrible. Yeah. We were, of course, the first one, we were introduced to Jar Jar Binks,
0: and that, yeah. then, of course, I was at an age by then where I go, <laughs> yeah, this is, okay, if this is what the people thought of the Ewoks back then, then, yeah, yeah. okay, I, I'm no, getting ja,
1: Jar Jar Binks was worse than the Ewoks. I, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, I would
0: like to, yeah. I, that's what I believed, but, yeah. you know, it's yeah.
1: good to hear that from, you know from you somebody who's much older yeah, yeah, yeah. and wise
0: um, and so that was a you know that sort of period of those movies I still went and saw all of them at the
1: cinema did you so no, I years. didn't I saw the first one of the prequels and then I went that was and such a, just, a disappointing experience and I still yeah. haven't I seen hold, the I held on haven't to the seen dream the other two.
0: I held on to the dream Robbie and on you, um, kept going back and just kept being disappointed mm. um, and then now since then we've had another two yes
1: now <laughs> I didn't know that this conversation was going to be about Star Wars. I would have look. I would have done a bit of prepping beforehand if I had to, if I had realized. I was like, oh yeah, it's well, Bob Evans podcast. We'll be talking about music, uh, uh, Talk about the old times on Triple J. Yeah, we, 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 we'll oh, okay. All right, way. okay. We yeah. just
0: to, I just want to finish. Okay, to wrap, you get it out of your system, man. I want to tie this tie this uh, T- tie Star the Wars up. thing yeah, up yeah, okay. because the last two, I think it's turned the corner, and the, the very last that Rogue One. Which was the the storyline like leading him in directly into Star Wars, which I think is called New Hope, yeah. 1977. I'm, I'm back on board. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely back on board. Well, I haven't seen the absolute newest one, but I, the one that came out last year, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed. It. it was really fun. I mean, that was because of the, the direction was really good in it. Yeah, so, and it looked
0: good. Yeah, yeah. It, like it had gone back to, you know, um, just the general sort of aesthetic styling yeah. was... Harking back to the Yeah, originals. it was a disc- bit disco. Oh, um, wow. Well, the yeah. first one it is was... a bit disco. You can watch it again. <laughs> it, it,
1: it, it is a little bit disco. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, look at the C-3PO is that kind of golden yeah. disco tone. Yeah. And, and in fact, there was a disco Star Wars record that came out of the back yeah, of it too. Really? Yeah, yeah, which was quite popular. Well,
0: have you ever seen that uh, Christmas special, the famous Christmas special no. that they made? No, You've never. It was like a Wookiee Christmas or something. <laughs> you haven't seen it? <laughs> All right, so just, I just I I can't I'm not going to sort of
1: try and describe it too. too I'll go much on. Well, no, you
0: should. This is too hard. This it's tough okay. to describe this. But all right.
1: basically, that's all right. We're just going to sit back and recline and take a listen to Bob Evans describing <laughs> Star Wars Christmas.
0: Uh, so some in at some time after A New Hope was made in '77, and I think it was in between that and Empire Strikes Back, mm. um, there was some made for TV Christmas special, and. <laughs> I implore you, Robbie, and anyone listening to this who has even just a passing interest in Star Wars to look this up on YouTube. Mm. There's some weird storyline. It's like based on Chewbacca going back to see his family. (laughs) And it's it's all Wookiees. And like, but they don't speak. They can't speak. They can't speak. They're like, (laughs) and it goes on and on and on. It's like, it's honestly, if, it's like an acid flashback. It's like, what, what, is going on? It's so, it's so insanely weird. Yeah, okay. That, um, you must, you must check it out. All right, it's that's really right. Good. I'm writing, I'm writing it down now. <laughs> All right, no more Star Wars. Okay. Um, I guess, like, I want to sort of go back to the beginning. It's always kind of good to sort of, you know, do the backstory. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Was music a big part of your upbringing when you were growing up? And what are some of your earliest memories of kind of, when you first started getting into music.
1: Okay. Well, it's pretty no surprise that yeah, music has always been a really big part of my life. And I the reason for it is that I uh, was lucky enough to have an older... Well, I still have an older brother. Um, but have an older brother who was heavily immersed in music and quite a bit older than me. He's about nine years older. And we had... That, before I was born, lived in Britain. And then I was born in Lismore. But then we went okay. back again to the UK. yeah, And he... I mean, he'd when he was a young kid, he had been listening to radio Caroline, John Peel, okay. on on the pirate stations, um, and so he had this real thirst for music. Had a really good record collection, and I grew up listening to his record collection. And wow! That were, yeah, so and it was um, a pretty diverse one, and one that informed a lot of my tastes and still so what does. Stuff? Well, who's that over there on the wall over there?
0: This one here, no, oh, no. Yeah, Bowie. Yeah, yeah. So. So it's just we've set the scene. We're, we're in. We're at Robbie's house in sort of this back in your man. Well, it's, it's like man it, cave. It's kind of like a man cave. It's actually an old
1: stables. Um, an old stable. Yeah, I was, yeah.
0: Gonna, I was wondering about that because I thought maybe it was like a garage conversion or something. Well, like yeah, it it kind so, of because is, ex- is there an
1: alleyway back there? No, there's an alleyway out the side oh, okay, right. to the front door. But anyway, look, it's an old stables and it, we renovated it, and so it's, it's awesome. got the bookshelves and it's got lots and lots of records and uh, a couple of big speakers and a, a few turntables. And And uh, pictures of David Bowie. And pictures of David Bowie. And look, um, and and that very top photograph is a very special one um, to me because it's, if you go and have a quick look over (laughs) there. Go and have a quick look. Over you go.
0: Oh my goodness. Hmm. Robbie, is that you? Yes. You look so young. Yeah,
1: but who's standing next to me?
0: Well, David Bowie, and
1: uh, who's that? Uh, That's a fellow from Red Eye Records. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that um, was that was the night I met David Bowie. So that's so one of what, the greatest nights of my was life.
0: That the tour, was that the tour that Simon for Kate did with him? Uh, it it might have been. It, it, was the last ever, it
1: was the last ever... I think it was the reality tour. It was the last ever tour he did. I think it might have been. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, look, we digress. So yeah, he... My, my brother had a great collection of records. He was very much particularly UK-oriented, mm. understandably, because of where he was when he was buying a lot of those records. But mm. Roxy Music... The Who, David Bowie, um, some of the some more obscure kind of artists like Bebop Deluxe and you know other other groups too. Uh, and yeah, we just listened to a lot of music at home. He always had music on the record player. And then when I was older I went and I was in I went to boarding school for a while. Okay. And really didn't like Whereabouts was that in Brisbane left the boarding school and went and lived with my brother and sister who were at university at that stage. And so we, we all lived together for a year and a bit. Uh, you and your brother and your sister? Yeah, in a little house in Brisbane. Was, uh, that, what, was what, that a party house? No, no, it wasn't actually. I mean, they were, they were both studying really hard degrees. My brother was studying engineering and my sister was studying vet. Okay. And, and I was doing my HSC. So yeah, yeah. we were all but well, studying. But we had this great uh, record collection. We didn't watch much TV. We listened to a lot of music. Yeah. And so there was it, it, the delight in putting records onto a record player right. uh, has, very, has always been sort of there for me. So yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it's something I still, you know... Still hang on to. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the radio side of it is that uh, I, I got into radio when I, was, uh, when I was a kid quite accidentally as well. Uh, I had a... When I was in grade five, had a relief teacher, actually, a guy called Gary Martin, this big quite obese (laughs) American guy, but he was very, very vivacious, very lovely man. (laughs) And he came in to fill in for Mr. Green in grade five one day. Wow. Okay. And, um, and he was telling us, you know, he had this great love for literature, great love for music, for classical music, great love for life really. And he was telling us, he was telling all these stories. One of the stories was he, he does this community radio show at the, at Lismore at 2NCR and he said, uh, you know, he was t- telling us all about it. At the end of the class, I was just so enraptured by the, yeah, yeah. the concept of it. I went up to him after the, the class and said, oh, could you tell, tell me a bit more about the radio station? <laughs> oh, he would have loved <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would said, have loved He you. said, look, you should come up, you know, come up and watch. <laughs> so so um, I did. I, I, the, the next week I went up, he, he I asked my parents and they said, yeah, that's fine. And so he took me up to the, the little ramshackle community radio station uh, <laughs> up in Bar in Lismore. And he put Evening... The show was called Evening Classics and he put Evening Classics uh, to air and I, said, I was just fascinated, you wow. know. It was the old record players, really old. Yeah, so and...
0: what year would we be... So this is
1: 80... 82, 83? Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um,
0: you know, 82. So it was, was he playing everything off record? Yeah. Or was
1: there a tape? No, there, there were reel-to-reel machines. Reel-to-reel, but, yeah. but everything got played off record. Because when I was at... I, I was at uni for one year before I got yeah. out
0: and went on tour and... Um, but I was doing like a uh, communication studies was the name of the degree. No, um, yes. What you could have been, me, yeah. like you know. Anyway, gen- I was, anyway. I've talked about my my, yeah. uh, my uh, very short lived journalism career on previous podcasts. I'm sure people are fucking sick of me yeah. about. Um, But I do. I did a radio course, yeah. and this was in 1995. Right, and. They still, there was no record player, but they did teach us, it was all like, um, there was cassette tapes and stuff, but they did also have the reel-to-reel machine, yeah. and we were taught how to use... How to splice? Yeah, when we weren't taught how to splice, that might have come later, this was only the very first one, mm. but uh, but we were taught how to actually use the yeah, reel-to-reel machine, yeah. kind of knowing that yeah. probably wasn't but something... When, we were... when
1: I first started at Triple J, we were using reel-to-reel tapes to record. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So, that was still 90 was it 95, maybe? Uh, yeah. Using river tapes to record... To record interviews on. Okay, right. Yeah. 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 Well, the first record that Jeb's made, we did to Tape Machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, And that was in 97. Mm, mm. But you wouldn't have been playing... Were you... Pl- Sometimes playing things out on tape, yeah. 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 And uh, like,
0: well, did you have those, like, carts? Like, uh, oh, yeah,
1: machine. we didn't have those at Triple J. We had those at Community Radio. Yeah, yeah. The, and, and when... When Bob says carts, what he's talking about are these. Really, they look like the. If you've ever seen movies set in the '70s with the eight-track uh, cartridges that went into where the tape deck is in a car, yeah. uh, that's what carts are. They were the this sort of invention in the '60s that had a, a tape loop on them, so that they would play and they would they would play out from the outside and then wind on the inside as they played. So they were just like one really long loop. So they were perfect for for playing ads off. Yeah, yeah anyway um so you're at so you're at the radio station there's more a radio station least more yeah. and uh, a we started going up every week and then about so
0: did you was it was it do you remember at the time or can you kind of remember at well the if time, you let me finish the story I'll was there worry. a moment but yeah yeah
1: there was a moment because it, what happened was that this this big bloke gary this teacher he ca- he came to me one day he said rabbi um i gotta go into into hospital next week i've got to a hernia <laughs> you know he's a big boy I've got a hernia I've got to have a hernia operation do you want to do the show oh. <laughs> I'm like my voice hadn't broken, broken. like
0: oh yeah I'd love to do the show <laughs> <laughs>
1: so the next week I travel I take my dad's classical music records I, you know pilfer with my dad's records and uh, up I go and, uh, and do evening classics and so how
0: many times had you done, what been in
1: uh, oh like I must have watched right? it. I don't know four or five times or yeah yeah and
0: when you say Evening Classics, are yeah. you talking classical, classical music. music? Classical, classical music. Records. Okay,
1: yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, so I did the show, and he came out of hospital. He went, oh, you know what? I've got an... He's, he did another show. Y- you're doing a great job on the show. You keep the show. <sighs> and so I did. It, so that, that's what happened. I did Evening Classics for about 18, <laughs> 18 months. Wow. And that was the first radio show I ever did. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was hilarious. And hang on. So this was when you are in year five. Going yeah, yeah year five into year six, and all of, so about halfway through year five and then all of year six and pretty a bit longer actually, yeah, I did it through most of year seven as well and then I went away to Brisbane and went to boarding school so uh, I stopped it yeah, and came back to, studied photography, wanted to be uh, a photographer okay. out of school yeah. and then halfway through my degree decided that I didn't want to finish it Yeah, right. and went back to Lismore and thought, what am I going to do? How about old, Ray? So
0: what happened at uni? Was it just
1: losing interest in photography? No, or quite the opposite, abroad? actually. Like, I still love photography. If you look around the shed, you'll notice there's quite a few uh, yeah. cameras and there's quite a few photographs as well. No, the opposite. I just realised that I didn't want to do it as a career. And I think right. this happens sometimes when you've got a passion. It's, you know, people say, if you are able to make money out of your passion, it'll never be a job. You'll always just yeah, do a passion. Do what but you but love and you'll the, never work yeah, a your life. But sometimes the commercial realities uh, mean that that's not necessarily the case. That you have to you have to have a different relationship to what has been your passion Mm. to turn it into an ongoing career and a commercial to make it a commercially viable uh, outcome. And I just realised that I didn't want to do it. I I wanted to keep it. Strangely enough, you know, I I don't know when I look back on that nineteen-year-old. Making decisions like that, it's hilarious. But it's funny how we have this grand sense of ourselves and who we are and where we're going in life at that age. Yeah. And it does have these big ramifications, you know. Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess at that age, like, you feel like you've got... Well, hopefully, you know, you've got your whole life ahead of you and you're not sort of tied down by too many kind of real responsibilities. And so maybe that does give you the kind of,
1: you know, makes you feel brave brave to kind of make those big... Yeah, yeah, I think it does. I, I think course. you know that there's, there's little at stake. Yeah. And that also at that stage in your life, that's the time to make those bold decisions. Absolutely. Because if you don't, you're going to regret it. I mean, I, I, totally. I, 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 re, I really uh, am thankful for that to that 19-year-old version of me yeah, yeah. for having the guts to do that because it meant leaving uni going on the dole moving back to lismore not yeah. knowing what i was going to do and it um it, it's it was a you know a scary thing to do in lots of ways but mm. again what you're saying is true because the adventure is all out there in front of you
0: mm. uh,
1: certainly some of the i mean it was an, an uh, interesting interesting time because that was the early mm. 90s yeah. by then and a lot of people were Unemployed. There was, was a big recession. Big recession. Yeah. Um. In one way, that was really good because there were lots of people in the same boat as I was. Yeah. And so you didn't feel like you were alone or missing out on things. Yeah. But by the same token, the the longer you were unemployed, the more you felt like you were being cast out to sea a little bit. That mm. that you know, would you be able to make it back to land at some stage? And there were lots of people, I have to say, who who didn't ever make it back. You know, there, there yeah. were lots of people who who really came a cropper. Back in that era, yeah. who never uh, recovered? Yeah, or? never recovered. I mean, yeah. some of them got some. Some of them had nasty outcomes with with drugs. Yeah. Others. Well, there was a big heroin. There research. was. It wasn't yeah, really like there was. Time. Yeah, and, and thankfully, yeah. I was never into that. But there were certainly. Yeah. I mean, I moved to Sydney after about twelve months of being in Lismore. I realised, gosh, yeah, I've got to do something. And so I just got on the, the XBT with a backpack and came to Sydney. Yeah. And uh, you know that was a, a pretty a pretty big educational experience <laughs> as well, you know, arriving arriving in Sydney on the dole and trying to work yeah. out what, what to do. But uh, again I was just really lucky, you know, I got got involved in community radio down here yeah. and they ended up giving me a job, which I mean I, I the job I applied for, I'd been a volunteer there for a little while and then this general assistance job came up, which was on about five dollars per annum. <laughs> it was hardly it was not much more than the doll yeah. but the the thought of actually having a paid job is just yeah, so yeah. attractive but they had they had over 60 applications for this one shitty position you know yeah. that's and I remember in the interview pretty much getting down on my knees and begging for it really wow. you know just this sense of I like, I really want to do this and yeah uh, you know, I'm going to work really hard at it, and they gave me the job, and it was mm. the start, really, the start of the the media career. It was I remember who was that with? That was with two SER, yeah. so the the local community radio station here. Yeah. Uh, well before FBI had started up. Yeah. So you know, they're interesting times. I mean, I, I've got my own kids now. I've got a 14 year old and a, an 11 year old, mm. and I look at how they're going to approach their. Yeah, careers I it's coming so it'll it's yeah
0: uh, at that age it just, it's yeah. right on the horizon isn't it yeah
1: and also just, but, but also I, I feel sorry for, for that generation in that they mm. the requirements are so yeah. great for them in terms mm. of what they they have to do oh I'm oh, speaking to devil <laughs> <laughs> is that my daughter is it is my daughter and her friends i a bit early Oh. No, they're probably wagging school <laughs> I, was about to, I was about to say how hard they work oh, yeah. like, <laughs> they're probably about to light up a cigarette <laughs> it's alright dad's not here <laughs> where's
0: your dad oh, he's just hanging out in his man cave yeah he's in the man cave <laughs>
1: he's probably comatized
0: yeah <laughs> Anyway, yeah, it'd be cool if we had guitars and we were like, <laughs> <jamming or something>. <laughs> <laughs> "Hey kids, come on in." Uh, but um, but no, you were saying, you know, you you feel a little bit sorry for that generation. Well,
1: I, I do because I think there's been this, I think there's a an education arms race that's been underway right. in Australia and in uh, around the world where right. kids are. They have to come out of school, get university degrees, get postgraduate degrees. They build up all this debt. Yeah. They're, uh, out the housing, you know, they're, they're out of the housing, out of the housing cycle because it's become so expensive. Yeah. And they've been screwed by. I, you know, I really think they've been screwed by the, the baby boomers. Yeah. I mean, our generation to some degree. But no, but, I think our generation. Gets, oh, they're uh, perfect. Oh, I, I think know. we get. I think we're the. You know, I'm. I'm.
0: I'm. Follow the uh, middle child. Philosophy, <laughs> philosophy too yeah. you know, where we're just the exes are just kind of sitting right in the middle the boomers have fucked everything up <laughs> the millennials yeah you feel sorry for them and you know and annoyed by them at the same time so.
1: I know there's a lot look there's a lot of people who I speak to on, in my job uh, these days who are Baby boomers, mm. um, the the radio show that I do has a lot of baby boomers listening, and they, they yeah. always go into that saying we had to work really hard to be able to afford our house. We did, did without. We don't go, yeah, you know, the smashed avocado conversation that went around. We don't go out to didn't go out to cafes. We didn't go out to, to dinner hardly because they didn't have cafes. No, in they, the didn't. Fucking <laughs> the they didn't, and they didn't know how to smash an avocado. Yeah. It was just it was just mashed. You probably wouldn't have even eaten an avocado if it was one <laughs> was put in front of you because you wouldn't have known what a fucking was. If you look at the uh, policies. And the way the legislation falls for that generation when it comes to things like um, around taxation, around housing, it has been weighted in their benefit. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah. And there's been a a great transition of power towards that generation. So there are many people in that generation who've become very rich, really kind of out of luck a little bit, but also out of the fact that these... Systems, have been yeah, been put in place yeah, to, to 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 make, make it, that happen. Yeah, they they have. Yeah, you know, they've been supported yeah. pretty well. So uh, I, I, so I've, you know, I worry about what's going to happen with with my kids' generation, and I even worry. I mean, I was lucky enough to to buy a house when I was young with my girlfriend at the time. She had a bit of an inheritance, and I got I got made redundant from SBS, and so we had a windfall, and we went. Right. Let's let's put it in. And it's just around the corner from where I am now, and she still lives there. Yeah. But if it you know if we hadn't have gone oh maybe we should do something sensible with with this yeah and buy a house and it was two hundred eighty five grand and I remember thinking God that's a lot of money yeah it is and it was a lot of money yeah. and it was a lot of money but you know compared to now well yeah living it, in Sydney it's, yeah yeah so I don't know I don't I, want was, to, I don't want to bring the conversation no, down no, man no. I don't want to bum you out no 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 yeah it's it um, one of those
0: and I was talking to Cram a few weeks ago has um, he still got his Maserati. I didn't know he had a Maserati. Yeah, he had a Maserati. No? Oh, well, I saw yeah. him in Melbourne he was, was staying at a, a hotel. But anyway, we were um, we talked a little bit about this and we sort of, you know, we talked about how because, um, you know, your kids' generation um, have almost, and, and those that are a little bit older, but those that come out of the millennial generation, because they have been so um, squarely shut out of the opportunity to own their own house, they've almost pretty much, Pretty much, there seems to be a feeling that they've kind of given up on the whole mm. concept. Mm. And, you know, this could actually be a positive thing because by not becoming part of that culture of like property and owning a house and yeah, big, buying it, big debt and having to, yeah, m- to maintain the debt, it yeah. might free them to, it might give them a freedom that, you know, our generation and previous generations who have bought into that kind of culture yeah. don't realize. Yeah. And that, you know, maybe they will be renting all their lives and because they won't be, yeah, just like, So you know they won't get focused on this other thing. They freeze them up to do other shit. Yeah. Look, I think
1: you. I think you're probably right in lots of ways, and I think that there is a big argument for that too. Uh, I I mean, the the trends like van life have become so popular in the states where it it, there's a sort of fascination with people just living out of vans and travelling around a lot. Yeah. I guess the the worry though, I mean, whilst you, it's a good point. The other side of it is that it's still unfair that they don't have the chance to do it. Yeah. So you you shut somebody else, shut shut a whole generation out of the the possibility of it. Seems eminently unfair. And I have to say, look, there are plenty of people I know who never bought property and are are perfectly happy, and have had a lot more experiences when you know we were knuckling down trying to pay the bloody mortgage, and not and too scared to go overseas for a long time. They were having those experiences, and you never get to have. You know, you, you never get to be 28 tra- traveling around the globe for a year again. again yeah. You know, you can try and do it in your 40s or 50s, yeah. but it's not the same. You no. know, so so you're a different person. So yeah. in that way, you're right.
0: Being a fa- father of older children than mm. myself, mine mm. are still you know little little babies. Mine are three and five. How old are you? 14, 14, 14 and 11, 11. Yeah. yeah. So what are the kind of things that they
1: talk about? Well, what's going well, these on in, days, the, in well, the, the world? Uh, my daughter has a fashion block. So she. No away. Yeah, Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So okay, she... plug it. You got to do the plug. Oh, okay. it... <laughs> what do not know it what it's called, Robbie? Oh uh, look, I I try to oh, stay away from it. I will... <laughs> I do I I I just yell
0: out. All right. So <laughs> Robbie's daughter and I think some friends have just come home from school, and Robbie's gonna uh... <laughs> Robbie's gonna go out and ask her <laughs> about her fashion blog. I just thought it would be a good idea to um to give it a plug. I thought Robbie would just be able to rattle off the uh, rattle off the, the details, you know, off the bat. All right.
1: She says, why? Why are you asking? So it's the style affair, but with two eyes in a fair. Style affair with two eyes in a fair. Now, hang on. Yeah. You just process that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's the style of fair. Ah. Yeah. Style of hair. Yeah, fair hair. Fair. <laughs> um, so what do we talk about? Look okay. at. It's funny, I mean, as a, as a teenager, teenage kids do, you know, they have the, uh, the stereotype is true in that they do behave like, <laughs> like teenagers. You're just like, oh my God. Yeah. But you also, they have this flip side to it where they have this real eager thirst for trying to understand what life is about. Yeah, and I love that, that yes. side of it too, where they want to know how the world works yeah. and you realise you're trying to explain how the world works and do you, you know, do I really know how the world works? Well, no, but a, a bit, you, yeah, you yeah. know a little bit and you do know yeah. a lot more than they do, but but the other side of it too is that the thing about parenting, which I'm sure you find, which I love, but it's also so confronting, is that it just holds a mirror up to who you are right? in a way that can be really edifying and it can be really powerful and it can be really Warm and wonderful, but it, all, it can also be really shocking yeah. because it, it, you you recognize your frailties and your faults and your flaws in a way that you, you never did before, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's it's kind of shocking. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you sort of you have this uh, this facade, this perception of who you are internally, and then it's it's shown in in all its stark realism mm. when there's this little tiny human. Uh, that comes into your life that you need to be responsible for. And it it's especially, I think, confronting in a relationship because suddenly the relationship's not you and another person. You're, the relationship is you and another person. And this yeah. person, this is the tiny person that needs the most help. So, yeah. But it's, it's a wonderful thing. I've enjoyed fatherhood immensely. And, I mean, it was funny. I, I had my kids when I was still at Triple J, but it was... I never mentioned it on the radio because mm. it was, a, well, it was a bit of a shock. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I met my now wife at Triple J, but, oh, wow. but um, we uh, <laughs> we hadn't been going out very long which yeah, you felt, yeah. felt pregnant. In fact, and, you know, it was a really, it was one of those things where you think, gosh, we don't know each other all that well. And yeah. we'd, we'd only just, not long beforehand, gotten both gotten out of long-term relationships and we didn't know whether we wanted to be in another long-term relationship and then, this came along and, <laughs> I mean, it, it was so so kind of new and shocking and, and fresh that I remember one incident at, at the Jays when Annie was about six or seven months pregnant. She was really starting to show. Yeah. And somebody in the office, I can't remember who it was, but somebody in the office goes, Oh, wow, Anne, you're, you're pregnant. You know, this is... Just, I didn't realise this is so great. She said, Yeah, yeah, I, I'm pregnant. And, uh, and the, the, our colleague goes... So who's the father? You know, who's, who's the dad? And she looks over and points at me. <laughs> <laughs> and there I am with the corner of the office. And you can sort of see their eyes move across the office yeah, yeah, to yeah. where she's pointing. And there's me with my messy hair. And yeah. Crickle, yeah, what were you doing at the top, a right? T-shirt. I was probably picking my nose. <laughs> <laughs> or, something. or staring into space. <laughs> and the colleague goes, what? Him? And he goes, yeah, it's Robbie. <laughs> And I sort of waved sheepishly from across the room. Um, so, yeah, look, it's been a really interesting journey. But, we, you know, we, we thankfully it all worked out. And, um, and then we said, well, you know, we like doing this. Let's have another one. So we had another one. And then eventually we got married too. So yeah. uh, it was a fun little journey.
0: What, and, you know, just going back to something that you were saying before, you know, what's something that you've kind of learned about yourself? Because, like, for me being a parent, like, I'm, I've been surprised... Before having kids, I thought that I would be the fun one and that my wife...
1: <laughs> I hear that, you. <laughs> and that
0: my wife would uh, be the disciplinarian, but... It's, it's the, other not, it, it like the other way around. It's turned out the other way around. And I think that's just an example of... Which isn't to say I don't have to have fun with my kids, yeah. but there are so many th- ways in which I thought that I would be more different yeah. than my parents. And the, the thing that has shocked me the most just in this first few years, not the most, but one thing that surprised me in this first five years is that I've come to realize that my parenting style is closer to my parents' parenting style than I thought that it would be. Yeah, and know. that's kind of, that's a confronting
1: thing. It is a confronting thing and it's... I the, can't deny and it. And it happens to all
0: of us. And yeah. it happens
1: to all parents. It's yeah. hilarious. Yeah. And you can't get away from that. Yeah. Um, there's... There's parts of it that I, I there's parts of it, there's parts of that element that I like as well, but it is a strange thing, you know. You, 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 in a partnership as parents, you are you are actually bringing your partner's parents into the into yeah, the relationship yeah, yeah. without realising it. Yeah, uh, and so that's yeah, it's a funny funny aspect. I wonder what are they doing, it? So, <laughs> so they're doing in there. So we're in the shed out the Dear listener, if you're wondering, we're in the shed out the back and we can see through the windows yeah. into, the, into the main house and the teenagers are in there. I don't know if they're, they're... away. I don't know if they're just... If they're pulling the pictures off the walls and smashing things on the floor. <laughs> I love the energy of that age where they are kind of...
0: If they're sort of told that this is is kind of how the world works, there's still that thought that like, no, but I can yeah. I can do it differently. Yeah, you know, they can. But, oh, absolutely, and and, that's and so I find that fucking inspiring. Yeah, no, it's fantastic, <laughs> and
1: it's compounded by the fact that they, because they know technology better than the mm. next the previous generation, they have this one upmanship that they go well you obviously don't know very much about the world because yes. you, you can't use Snapchat yeah, yeah. so yeah. Uh, I know about the world because I, I have to show you all this stuff and therefore I can extrapolate that into everything else in the yeah, world yeah, yeah. you obviously don't know very much at all I know everything shut up and fuck off <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of what they say to me you know, yeah, yeah. on a regular basis yeah. I, love, I love them dearly Love him dearly, but,
0: but there you go. Tell me about uh, when you started work at Triple J. How did okay. that come about? And
1: yeah, yeah, no, that's an interesting story, actually. Yeah, so yeah. I, I guess I was, always, I was always really interested in Triple J, but I didn't grow up with it. Right. And I did Is didn't, that because it wasn't in Lismore? Yeah, it wasn't in Lismore. And even when I was living in Brisbane, it wasn't in Brisbane. So it right. came to Brisbane just as I moved out of Brisbane, actually. Right. I was there right at the. I, I remember listening to the test broadcasts. Uh, which they used to have these big sort of four-hour loops or mm. six-hour loops or something that they'd go round and round and round. I remember listening to that, thinking, "Oh, this is really, really interesting and really great." And then when I moved to to Sydney, I, it, it, there was a kind of anti Triple J kind of movement oh, really? around. Well, yeah, because it had be, had gone national. Uh-huh. There was a lot. Of, there were a lot of people in Sydney that were like, "Oh, Triple J sucks. They've lost. They've like, yeah, they've is... lot, they used to be so much better." Right. Which is, as I found out, how people feel about triple j always because people get older but i you know i was still really interested in it and what happened was that my my, megan who was the the woman i bought the the house with uh, my then girlfriend she and i applied for a afters short course the australian film television and radio school and we both got in it was like a short course only about 12 people and they don't they only did it for a couple of years we were just really lucky yeah but the there was two weeks the first week was Um, there were lectures by people from triple j who'd come out to afters and give you lectures and we'd do little short courses and things like that and then the second week was work placement at triple j Ah. so it was wow and so they came in with a a list of where we were going to be within triple j for the week and they came through the names and they said, you know, you'll be doing, you'll be spending with marketing and you're going to be with promos and you'll be with the live music team doing this and yeah. you're going to be blah, 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 on, on and on it went. You'll, you'll be shadowing the the drive team for a little while. And then they came to me and they went, and you're going to be doing Midnight to Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> I went, what? <laughs> and they said, yeah, you're going to do Midnight to Dawn. I said... Oh my God! What did, what did I do? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it was this. It was really. I mean, it was really amazing. Again, it was just really uh, incredible. that so for a but, week? No, just for a couple oh, of nights. Okay. But I was so nervous. Yeah. I was so nervous, and yeah. I had to. I had to follow. Kingsmill was doing. He might have been doing the Australian Music Show with the J Files, and I had to come in after Kingsmill. And, I, <laughs> I remember just. You know, watching the, the clock count down to the mm. what is it? I think we started at one a.m. Clock count down to to one a.m. and then having to hit the the promo for the one o'clock promo. I remember my mm. finger oh. finger shaking wow. as I hit the promo, and it was this sense of uh, of feeling like you were you were plugged in to this thing across the country. You know, it was yeah, an amazing yeah, yeah. sense, but it was also just Totally terrifying. Yeah, yeah. You know, completely terrifying. Yeah. That there were people in... Outback Australia. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> Perth, Perth. You know, like in, in yeah. Cairns and... Yeah. In the, middle of the, the, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And so I did This Midnight to Dawn and it was, I'm sure, pretty terrible. In fact, I, I went in the next day and one of the producers went, I, uh, I uh, listened to you. No, nah, not much good. Uh, <laughs> it, which was a really nasty thing to say, to be honest. Yeah. But... Um, they kept me on midnight to dawns, yeah. so everybody else went off on their sweet jolly ways, ah, and I stayed around. doing midnight to dawns. Yeah, yeah. Right. and I remember that, remember after doing that first um, doing that first midnight to dawn, my my parents were actually in town for something else, but they were staying at the hotel in Darling Harbour, and so I walked down at six a.m. I said you know I said goodbye, uh, walked out of the the ABC and walked down towards Darling Harbour, and then went up to the, to their hotel and they you know welcomed me in and went, Yay, you know, it was really fantastic, good well done. And I'm like, oh <laughs> and, and my my dear my dearly departed dad, who I lost many years ago, but he when he, he was there and he said uh, he said, Look, it's just a really great thing to have done, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he said, It it may not last, or it may, it doesn't matter. You've done it. Yeah. yeah. And it was a really great thing to, to do. And so and that's really how I viewed my career, not just in Triple J, but within the ABC and entirely, yeah. is that it started off with that one night, mm. and if I last to the end of the next week, then that's great, and if it doesn't go beyond there, then I've been really lucky. Yeah, yeah. And and that's really how I viewed it. I mean, I was at Triple J for 13 years. I was just going to say, but yeah. it did go beyond that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, what was what happened next after this? Well, again, I was just really lucky. You know, I did... I, I did the, the Midnight to Dawns only for a few months, and then I got a slot on the weekends really quickly. A lot of you know, there's lots of people who do Midnight to Dawns sometimes for a couple of years, and then don't get a, a slot. Yeah, yeah. So I got a slot, and that's that's a really big thing. And then did the weekends for a couple of years, and then they put me on the afternoons for a uh, a year or two, and then went back to the weekends for a little bit. And it was interesting. We we had very bad management. In that, that in those early years that I was there at Triple J, yeah. we had a, a a general manager who was hopeless. Mm. He he was not only hopeless, he was nasty, and he'd come mm. from he'd come from commercial radio, ah. and nobody liked him. Right, and he was incompetent. I I would suggest I, I I think a lot of people would agree that he was not very good at what he did, and so he made up for that by attacking people. And it was a it was a strange environment to be in because there was a real feeling of camaraderie and a real sense that the people were doing a really good job within the station amongst yeah. with with each other. But there was this guy and a few other older managers who'd been there for a long time who weren't they weren't complicit in that they didn't they didn't get on board with what he was doing, but they didn't stop it either. Yeah, yeah. And this finally Steve Canaan was actually one of the people that really brought this to a head above the Triple J level and made it known to the general then managing director of the ABC that right. this was going on, and thankfully, this guy got booted. Yeah, and we got a new manager who came in who realised that there needed to be some big changes, and there was a big sweep out of the old management, and the place it just had some. It was like somebody had opened the doors and and the windows, and this stale air blew out, right. and there was a chance to to start doing things. This this other this old guy, this other previous yeah. manager, wouldn't let anything happen. He wouldn't. There would. He wouldn't allow any change, because he was just terrified that the uh, the inspiration that he'd inherited, which was the inspiration of making taking it national, of the creativity that had come with that move, yeah. that if he was to change anything, it might reflect badly on him. Right. And it was because he just didn't know what to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. he was. And so his reaction was to, to lash out at people. Right. So what year would this? Have been? Uh this would have been. So I started in about ninety. Oh, I think I must have started in ninety six. Actually, right. yeah. I started. In, I started in October ninety six. That's when I did that, that. first midnight to dawn. Right. And so this would have been about 97, 98. Okay. Yeah. And then around ninety nine, thereabouts. There's the, the, Suddenly there was this change, yeah. and some of the old guard left, and there was just a. Uh, a real enthusiasm for let's just see what we can do. And so that's where JTV started. Yeah. That's where we did Unearthed, um, went online. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's where the JMAG started. There was suddenly a, a, an enthusiasm for let's see what we can do yeah, yeah. and do it. You know, the well, one night yeah. stands, you know, all, all these things that have become kind of institutional in, in Triple J and become a big part of its foundation stone, they, they were developed because of that attitude. Right. Yeah, yeah which yeah. was, I, I think, a really powerful thing.
0: I mean cuz my memory of well and it's coming you know from my perspective of being a teenager in Perth but um you know, triple j in my world was a cultural force mm. I mean mm. it I, I I can't overstate how big a deal it was and maybe that's because well I'm sure it's tied into the the age I was at yeah. when and, and the fact that I was you know all the way over in Perth and didn't really have and any notion of the pre of the history of yeah. <laughs> the station or even just a lot of Australian music really beyond yeah. just the mainstream stuff and I do believe that I was you know part of a a generation of teenage kids that uh, where Triple J you know had such a massive influence mm. not only just in um, introducing us to you know bands and Music from overseas, but lots of Australian stuff, which then led to going to all ages gigs, and the all ages scene in Perth was like flourishing, yeah. you know, in that yeah. early to mid nineties, and that was that all came from Triple J yeah, bands yeah. like you know You and I and Tumbleweed and 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 Magic Dirt and,
1: mm. and were you know coming over to Perth and you know yeah and that was an amazing look the, it, it it was an, an incredible. Uh, it was an incredible transformation mm. in in Australian music, and it was a maturation in Australian music. You know, there's there's a lot of debate about what Triple J should be, about what kind of music it should play, about whether it should have rotation, about whether mm. it should have playlists. Those debates are really important. They should continue to be had. There should always be be debate about what role it plays mm. in Australian uh, in the Australian sort of cultural fabric. It's very easy to dismiss it. There's also a natural tendency for people to enjoy it because of the age that they are yeah. when they're listening to it in their late teens and early twenties, that is the age that it's pegged at. Yeah, yeah. You know, people forget yeah, that. Yeah. And so when people get to their late twenties and they start going, Oh, it's not like it was, yeah. you know, eight years ago, or 10 years yeah. ago. Well, it's not supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. And, you're, you're, not not, you're, not, you're, <laughs> not, you're not the same either. And, the, and this is where Double J is really great that it's come along, that there is at least somewhere yeah, that yeah. people can go to for, for that kind of thing, to, to, to move outside of it. Yeah. Th- this is not unique to listeners either. This is also, I mean, it's, it can be a problem with presenters if they don't want to go. I, I was lucky enough to be able to choose the time of my own leaving, which was a, ra- a really great privilege to be able yeah. to go, I'm going to leave that that's it. Um, we could have done another year of breakfast. They said so, um, because you were doing breakfast at the time with um, yeah, Lindsay and Marie. That's right. Yeah, yeah, the doctor and Marie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just said to them, look, we've done two years of a breakfast show that I really, really love, mm. and I'm really happy with, and we mm. still really love each other, and it's time for mm. for us to go. You know, we, mm. let's walk away from it feeling really good about it. Mm. That said, it's also the artists, you know, and you'd know this too, who have trouble who who have had popularity on triple j mm. and as artists get older then suddenly the j's aren't playing their music yeah, you know yeah. there's a real sense of well hang in a second what's gone wrong you know I'm yeah. still producing really great quality music I'm mm. doing all this really good stuff and you're not playing it mm. um, and so there are there are plenty of musicians who have been really Put out by, now this has been that, that a fairly, too.
0: yeah, and and it seems like a fairly recent phenomenon, and I was thinking about it, you know, leading into a chat, because I thought it would be mm. something that we touched on, and I'm sure that a big part of that, um, it seemed like for a while there was a bit of Triple J bashing going on. Oh, there always is,
1: though. Yeah, well, see, that's what's interesting, how yeah, you yeah.
0: told me about the thing of when it went from, um, oh, yeah. Double J, whatever.
1: There were, there was, there were... There were protests in the street. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that does yeah.
0: give it some yeah. historical perspective. Yeah. But I also think that social media drives a lot of that because yeah. obviously in our current age, um, it's just a lot easier for people to express yeah. themselves yeah. and to gather and, 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 and if somebody does say something that's like newsworthy, yeah. then, then it gets jumped on and shared. And, and So things kind of have a tendency to kind of snowball in that way. But yeah, I mean, a lot of it seemed to be, from what I could tell, yeah, I guess the kind of stuff that you've mentioned, you know, mm. um, a few musicians that were known and had history with Triple J were put out by the fact they weren't being played anymore. Um, and yeah, and people kind of complaining about the fact that, you know, Triple J is saying they've become more commercial, which I don't know, maybe is just their way of saying it doesn't play the music that I mm. like. Mm.
1: Anymore. It's an interesting one. I mean, it, it, when I first started there, ninety six, there was still, you know, people were still listening to to Pearl Jam and Nirvana and Seattle bands, and there was, there was a seemingly, there there, there seemed to be, a, a there, there did seem to be a kind of clearer definition of what was supposedly. Alternative, mm-hmm. and I use that word with sure. inverted commas all yes. around it. Yeah. Um, and what was mainstream? The, the irony is, you know, David Geffen had bought, da- David Geffen put out Nevermind. Yeah, and you know, he's one of the biggest sort of commercial yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, record labels in the world. Yeah, and, and so um, you know, it's a kind of academic conversation that doesn't really lead you anywhere. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, what I loved, what I loved about Triple J was that there was such great spirit within the station mm. towards each other. It's one of the great things about the ABC is that the presenters by and large really like each other and love working with each other mm. and you can hear that. You know, you can mm. get that sense. We still hang out with each I mean I still see Lindsay and still see Marieke. Yeah. Um I I I love I love those presenters. I it's, will comes on my show On the Sydney radio station that I work on, and you know, it's lovely to catch up with him. It's a; those bonds are really strong, and they're. It's not like we hang out with each other all the time, but it's just it's a really nice thing. So, it it's an easy station to bag because it'll never be perfect, and it's Mm -hmm. there's no way that it can be perfect. There's a lot of different shareholders, if you like. There's a lot of people Mm -hmm. who think, oh, it needs to be more like this, or more like this, or less like this. I I think that that debate is really important. I think that people yeah. should always be questioning what it does and why it does it. And I think that there should be a certain level of bagging because it's part of the scrutiny about what it, you know holding it up for uh, justification of what it does. It also illustrates how passionate people that's are. It. And how closely people yeah. hold the station yeah.
0: to their hearts. Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. If, it was, if they were indifferent, it
1: would be much worse. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because yeah. it's
0: obviously you know it's had it played such a massive role in so many people's lives in their formative years and yeah. all that kind of stuff people hold on to that shit tightly you know yeah, yeah, and i guess yeah. triple j sometimes bears
1: the brunt of that yeah you know,
0: dissatisfaction yeah. Of yeah,
1: yeah and they always do you know like yeah. i it, it was always there when i was there it's probably more pronounced now because of social media sure um but it's also the flip side of it is that with social media they're able to connect with more people too and so the ratings for triple j are huge you know yeah. the biggest they've ever been wow. um you could argue then oh well maybe it's too commercial because of that mm. and sure you know that's a good argument to have and it's, it's one worth having but um, ultimately it does an amazing job particularly for the, the budget that it's on mm. and the, the number of people who work there it's not a huge mm. staff and they you know they did one night stand at a bloody Broken Hill it's incredible yeah. food. you know you talk about the age group that they're sort of that they're
0: designed to be yeah. uh, pitching at you know and I've talked about this in previous podcasts I know but it seems to me like the current generation of that age group that sort of late teens early 20s age group they don't because they've grown up with uh, the internet and having access to all the history of music at their fingertips, yeah. I think they're more—they listen to pretty much everything. Yeah, and there's not those bound, there's not that same kind of music tribalism that no, I no. remember growing yeah. up with, which is great. You were, absolutely, yeah. And and Triple J probably reflects that very real yeah. cultural, which
1: I think is fantastic. I mean, that's what I love about. Uh, it's what I love about the, the way the music scene has changed is that people don't they don't wear the badge of the music they listen to as an identifier in the same yeah. way that they used to now that there is something there was something really great about that oh I listen to this band therefore I'm like this yeah. uh, and, and that's kind of sweet I love that but but and I, you know people still do that to certain degrees sure. but i I really got fed up with being told that things that music was uncool because it didn't fit in some yeah. kind of pigeonhole, some sort of cultural niche groove. Yeah. Where, oh, this is, this is cool because it, it sits here. Yeah. And it's not cool because it sits there. You know, the, the older I've got, the more music I've listened to, and I still listen to so much music. You know, I still buy music all the time. Mm. I still love music with an intensity. Mm. But what I love is, you know, I love listening to everything. You yeah, know, yeah, like, and yeah. that is, that, the, the more that that's reflected. Yeah. The better off we all are. Yeah. Really. Because it, it, there's a lot to go around and there's a lot of great yeah. stuff and it's all it should be all styles I, I love the fact that i mean i found it really funny when when yacht rock became kind of cool, <laughs> kind of cool yeah. it was like wow yeah. yeah this is really not what i ever expected oh, yeah. to see you know but yeah. I, yeah, but it should be kind of cool because it's sort of you know beautifully produced really great musicianship there yeah, uh, there was there yeah. has, there's there's an artistic yeah. there were artist proper
0: artistic credentials and yeah. merit going on there mm. and yeah like just you know, I, I like the idea of, you know, that kids can use musical kind of genres or movements or whatever to help kind of find their own identity and stuff. But what I don't like is the idea that if you like one thing, yeah. you can't kind of like, like something, something else. else. Yeah. That's not, yeah. you know, no, and, no. and that's what seems to be taking down And to be I honest, like.
1: that, that was a real problem in, in the Sydney music scene in the early 90s. That was a real problem that happened in some of the music scenes. In the indie music scene, which I, I spent a lot of time going to a lot of music in the early nineties in the Sydney venues and also in the electronic music scene, which I was really interested in dance music and electronic music. And particularly in the, in the local electronic music scene, there was a tendency for people to want to shut down anything that wasn't this again, narrow niche, Mm. highly defined sense of what this is supposed to be. Mm. And it's the very antithesis of what should be, of what great musicians should be, which is curious, mm. experimental, open-minded, exactly. confronting, yeah, you know, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You're challenging your, your preconceptions. Yeah, yeah. That's where good music comes from. It's not from being told, "Oh no, we do it like this here." Yes, which is what used to happen a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'm really glad to see the end of that to some degree. I, I, yeah, I think absolutely. there's a lot less of that. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's let's look at your record collection. Oh, um, no, pressure.
0: As uh, as the listeners would. This podcast will know. Um, we normally do this uh, top 25 um iTunes playlisting now. Uh, Robbie um isn't an iTunes uh, uh, uh listener or he doesn't old school, of, he's, he keeps it real and uh he's got a massive uh, uh record collection that uh surrounds us at the moment in the room. So, what we thought we might do instead <laughs> is we'll just randomly choose like three yeah, three records. Um, and, you, and when we when we randomly pick a record, just choose. You know, choose one song off that record, maybe yeah, okay. that we can talk about, and then I'll um. Okay. Well. I'll, I'll um, give you a play as well.
1: Do you want to you bring your recorder? Out, bring it over
0: here for a second. Uh, we're on the move.
1: We're on the move. He's sticking on one of these turntables over here. So,
0: Although so. I got to keep it on the same side, otherwise we'll let's swap. He'll go like this, and let's
1: swap sides. Oh, okay. <laughs> he, he's, so, he's so picky, isn't he? I mean. <laughs> I can see why he's the strict one
0: no it's because when i get back to when it's not finished though you know yeah. i have to edit, edit stuff out that will be like on different tracks what do you mean
1: edit stuff out you're not editing this out yeah i'll well, edit out all my <laughs> uh,
0: mm, uh <laughs> my stutters and my ums and my r's
1: okay um so what am i going to play oh god see the great thing about oh well here you go speaking of Perth. How about a bit of uh, Yeah let's let's do let's do a Triffids track. The Triffids. Yeah, so this is the Triffids calenture. I've got Born Sandy Devotional somewhere else, but I I love this song. This is Bury Me Deep in Love, which is just a, a beautiful tune. Bury me deep in love. Bury me deep in love. Take me home under your wheel. There's a chapel deep in a valley For traveling strangers in distress It's nestled among the ghosts of the pines Under the shadow of a precipice When an lonesome climbing figure Slips and loses grip it tumbles into a crib Bury him deep in
0: love. Take him in under your boot.
1: Bury deep in love. When the rock below is shaking, the heart.
0: Can you remember
1: uh, how you got into the Trippards or how you discovered this oh. record, of that
0: song? Look,
1: it's one of those bands that everybody who was older than me said, oh yeah, the the Triffids, they're a a great Australian band. I never listened to them really when this was coming out. This was 1987 and I was in grade 10 and um, I would have been listening to... Well, I would have been listening to David Bowie, um, but I would have been listening to probably Triple M on the radio as well in in Brisbane. So (laughs) I wasn't listening to to the Triffids. But I, I would have picked this up, oh, I don't know, maybe in the late 90s early 2000s yeah you know I, did, I I did a lot of crate digging when records were still cheap so this this was eight bucks from the local record store and now i don't so know so good yeah, yeah they're like 30 bucks or that's something. right so good yeah, 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 that's, yeah.
0: that's one of the best things about yeah.
1: vinyl i reckon
0: is like being able to like go into second hand stores and find gold for like nothing you
1: know yeah well for a few bucks l- Less so now unfortunately that the the, the the price has gone up a lot, so... I love it when, like, bands get mentioned in songs, yeah, other you know, yeah, people's yeah. songs,
0: and the Triffids have got a great one, you know that Courtney Barnett song, um, where she's... It was, like, one of the first songs that I heard of hers, and it just has this really standout line where it's, like,
1: something about, like, getting in a taxi and, and you'll play me that Triffids. song. Yeah, other. yeah, great. Yeah, 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 So that is a beautiful song. I love the, the sort of heartbeat rhythm in, in that tune. I've been buying a lot of 45s, like sort of $0.50 dollar 45s. So there's a lot of really cheesy... Speaking of Yacht Rock and stuff, there's a lot lot of really cheesy tunes in here, but some good ones too. So let me just pick one. I've got a pile of 45s here. I'll just flick through them. There's Devo Beautiful World. There's uh, Iggy Pop Real Wild Child for Lovers of Roach. Uh, There's Super Freak, Rick James. There's Prince, 1999. Abracadabra. Uh, A bit of reggae. Style Council. Madness. We do madness. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, no, it sure. Must be love. Oh, yeah, it's a know. brilliant song. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I saw Madness at the Blues Fest the other week, and that's right. Yeah, I yeah. Used and yeah. they were they were really good. I I have to say I had to leave before they got into the real gold. They were playing a lot of the, the latest record, which is really good. Right. But I they, they had the kids with me, and it was they were the last band on, and they were going go home. So yeah. um, I missed it. But I love this tune um, because it really does speak of such yearning and Uh, delight, you know? It's a a classic love song. It is. And
0: and this song, It Must Be Loved By Madness, I reckon it's the kind of song that shit loads of people would know and probably love and recognise without necessarily knowing how they know it. (laughs) You know? like there's been films and- One of those songs that's just like broken through and become a bit of a kind of cultural phenomenon. But yeah, I love this song. It's beautiful. Every night, every day I know that it's you I need to take the blues away Madness, I've definitely got a special place mark for Madness because so um, they. Not, I, I kind of got into them in the 90s and I think Vanessa, you know, Jeb's yeah. introduced me to Madness and whenever I listen to um, early uh, those early Blur albums, I'm a massive Blur fan, yeah. I can hear the Madness influence. Yeah, you yeah. know, Damon was obviously a huge fan. Yeah. Um, and even today, like, you know, on TV there's this ad that's on... All the fucking time. It's a chemist warehouse ad. And they use our house. Down there, mate. Yeah. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, and some of be go, yeah, send me the money, send me the yeah, money. But it's like, it says like our house, it goes chemist warehouse <laughs> in the middle of this. the chemist warehouse.
1: Um, and. Hang on a second. How many songs have you sold to ads? Um, I've never
0: sold. Now, let me just make sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have sold songs to ads. But never to the chemist warehouse. Never to come like corporate, corporate like. So, do you think it's time I've sold to like the to be used on that for like the ACTU, You're right? Like, um, so, have you been offered uh,
1: to for for companies? Yeah, I think like corporations.
0: Yeah, I, Oh, that's been you know. Why would you say no though? Um, because it it totally depends on the song. Yeah. and like for example, do you think it's time, which is, is a song that I let at the ACTU use uh that's been offered um for like to be used on a tv theme song once of yeah. a reality tv show yeah with the name i won't mention but um and also a feminine hygiene product <laughs> that must um, have been lots of money though um yeah of course i mean like and you, and you turned it down i have yeah wow. and this is
1: before i had kids <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right but um yeah.
0: no it's because there's a bunch of reasons one obviously is like with talking about that song in particular, you know that it uh, means a lot to me. It's a really special song. It's it's like the song that most people know who mm. follow my stuff. It's you know my blue chip song, and yeah, yeah, sure. and yeah. I, I don't want it to be associated with something that doesn't ha- have any reference whatsoever to the meaning of the song. You mm. know, um, and but also too like you, you know once you kind of go there, once you kind of once that song becomes attached to an ad, there's a real danger that we, you, you can never get it back. Yeah, yeah. Like if that ad yeah. really works, the ACTU one was great because um, when I watched it on TV, I was just like, this is awesome because it was down, re- mixed really low. Yeah. You could barely even tell it was there. <laughs> I was just like, yeah. So long, so long, so long as the check was mixed yeah. up really high. <laughs> um, also, no that you got used up just in Queensland a couple of years ago for another government uh, ad. Um, and but they got they re-recorded it with a female voice right. and they did it in a slightly different style and stuff. Yeah, great. So that's cool as well because yeah. it's kind of taking it into a different. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So we'll. Do, <sighs> okay. Okay. So what else have we got? We'll do, okay. one, we'll do one more. We'll do Davis one more record collection. Um. I mean, look, there's so. Yeah, I'm gonna go back and go. Oh, I should have played this and I should have played that. <laughs> what, what else have we got? Uh, it, the great thing about all these records. Is that none of them are in any order whatsoever? Uh, <laughs> I used to
0: keep all my CDs in alphabetical order, and now no. now, I, now I just keep them in the garage. No. So they don't even they don't even stay in the house anymore. No. It's
1: terrible. Um, oh, I know what I'll play. Look, I, I'm going to play this. This is um, this is Matt Johnson and the the. Ah. Yeah, and which which track is it? Just a. The track with Jules Holland doing the piano solo on oh. it, which is Uncertain Smile, um, which is just fantastic because, it, I mean, look, listen to this. Listen to the, the piano solo. It is, Matt Johnson was this sort of. I mean, do you know the. the no, I know. You know do I know? don't know a lot of stuff. me with your. I won't sing it, but. <laughs> you did. <but, just> well, <laughs> so, so, it a big, so it was a big radio. It was a big radio, um, sort of commercial radio hit. In the mid 80s. Yeah, yeah. But there was a real kind of uh, depth to what he was doing and a real yeah. social commentary to a lot of the stuff as well. So it had this kind of bite. Yeah, I just kind turn. of thought they were like a bit of a punk man. Well, no, not. Yeah, punk attitude, a yeah. little bit, yeah. But but this has got, yeah, it's got Jules Holland doing the, the piano solo. Was he actually in the band or was he just. No, playing? no, he was just, I think it was a session <laughs> muso that they, they brought in for it. But yeah. um, there were some pretty hot musos that played on it. Oh, we could talk about it or. Well, let's, let's do it and then talk about I've got okay. <laughs> you under my skin Where the rain can get in But it's the sweat pours out Just shout i try to swim and pull you out
0: of course is the he had like a music show we still have it I oh, still got late, late Night which was Holland um, I think it's one of the longest running bloody yeah. music TV shows think, ever it's been a while since I've seen it on the telly is it still being shown yeah, yeah it's still
1: being shown um, it's yeah. so good though yeah yeah it's How's great the, well the great thing about it is that the, the musos just get to perform yeah. which is very rare uh, wouldn't it be lovely if Australia could care do like I don't that. know why the ABC doesn't do this. There's no music shows been on the telly. It hasn't been for ages. And it's a real... I mean, Rage is still there, which is great. And they've just spent, celebrated their 30 years. And that's wonderful. But I, I don't know why. It's it's cheap to make music television. It's been successful in the past. You know, Recovery was great. Why don't we do something like it again?
0: I don't know. I Look, I agree. I
1: mean, I, I miss it.
0: Um, I guess... You know, I guess it just the people, the gatekeepers, the people who are in a position to make these kind of decisions, obviously, just don't think it carries enough value or cur- holds enough currency, and mm-hmm. that, and that's a shame. What does that say about
1: us? You know, about Australia? I think it's, you yeah, know, it's a look. I don't. Know. I, I I wish I could have an answer for you, as somebody who works in the ABC, why that is the case. But I, England's I don't
0: know. got. I mean, England this- and America as well. They've got such
1: proud.
0: Rock and roll history, you know they they yeah, and and I think they hold that
1: because it's an export as well. Yeah. it's worth a lot of money. It's part of the reason that people visit the country. That's right. But it's yeah. also a rich. Red in there, in the fabric of their their cultural identity, yeah. and as it should be. You know, and other countries
0: too, like non-Western countries. You know, thinking more broadly. I mean, obviously, I used England and America as an example. Yeah, of, but Sweden and and is, yeah,
1: that. you know, there's, there's a lot of great countries that but do. It. Australia, but Australia, Australia's up there. Yeah, Australia is up there. Yeah. Um, so the what, so what's do... So uncertain smile. Okay,
0: and, and by the the. I mean, we've all you know, and uh, we've we've listened to a snippet of it, but
1: yeah, what can you tell me a little bit about? What you love about that song, or well, look song it's the, it's the, for me, it's the piano solo. It's just yeah. it's Jules Holland just getting in there. Uh, I, I think it might be two takes put together, but I don't think he rehearsed it a whole lot. I think he just yeah. get, got in there, and listened to the, the tracks, and then just went for it. And so yeah. there's just the uh, you, you can crank it up loud, and it's like it's what what I love about music. It, it's yeah. just going for it, and you can hear the musician letting go in it. It's, yeah it's good awesome yeah man
0: um thank you so much robbie for giving me an hour of your time oh it's a pleasure kev i um, in your lovely home That's um so, so you're doing you you're doing a breakfast a- at the abc these days yeah i'm
1: doing breakfast at uh, abc radio sydney so uh it's the uh, look it's the, the second top rating breakfast show in sydney congratulations yeah, yeah, yeah. um I don't know whether it'll stay that way, but it has been for. <laughs> yeah, it generally is. Um, are the things that you love about working there? Uh,
0: how different is it to Triple J? Oh, it's very it? different to Triple J. It's yeah. a talk station, for one yeah. thing.
1: Um, I play very little music. Yeah, right. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of politics. There's yeah. a lot of uh, issues that are pretty weighty. Yeah. Uh, and does that suit you in your, uh, your stage of agree. life? Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's been a very, it, it's been a very steep learning curve and a very difficult learning curve at times to try and get you in what way well you know when i took over the job i'd just come off two years of hosting a music show on radio national so my command of the minutiae of state government policies politics and politicians was probably not great um trying to get used to some of that detail especially Mm. when you've got a listening audience who are very smart and really up to it you know it's a it's a confronting thing because you make mistakes and you Say the wrong thing, use the wrong words sometimes, and people really pick you up on that. But it's been a really great thing, personally, to have done because it's been, um, you know, I felt felt like I've grown as a broadcaster and grown as a human being by doing it, and it's a very different kind of broadcasting to anything I've done before. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's good. How long it'll last, I don't know. What'll happen after radio, I don't know. I mean, it's like I said. It's one of those kind of industry so It is, isn't it? it? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, if it had lasted a week, then that would have been great. It's lasted 21 years. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whether it lasts longer than that, I don't know. But we'll see. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Ravi. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate it. See ya.